Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science, the show that breaks down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. But today, we're not talking about a movie. We're talking about a TV show and specifically Scrubs. And more specifically, season one, episode nine of Scrubs, which is called My Day Off. So I'll ask about appendicitis, surgical procedures, and much more. But first, a short word from our sponsor. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad science. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh. And today, I've got two wonderful guests joining the program. First up, you may know her from the comedy music band Femity Trio. She is a comedian, a musician, a dancer, and she's here on the podcast today. It's Dahlia Glick. What's up? I've never been explained as a comedian, comma, musician slash dancer. <laughs> I feel like I could have added like three more things. I mean, I'm just, I'm thrilled that those are the three things that came off the top of your head. Thank you. <laughs> Would you prefer something else? I can customize this. I just, I'm just always introduced as like Dahlia. Um, who knows? Who's to say? what she is. I would say you know? you're to say, but either way, um, <laughs> you, you also, speaking of names, release some lovely music under the name Dahlia Manny. Close, Dahlia Manny, but I don't Ooh. expect you to know the pronunciation, but I will correct you because I'm learning how to take my power back as a woman in society. So thank you yes. so much for promoting that, though. <laughs> Absolutely, of course. And I try to take stabs at pronunciations because it feels so good to get it right, but I know it's a risk. And I, I welcome it. I welcome it. Okay. Um, so before we get to our other guests, since you are such an incredible musician, I got to get your take on the Scrubs theme song, Superman by Laszlo Bain. Um, no, Superman. Oh, my God. Okay, listen. Sometimes this pops up on my, you know, shuffle. And I'm just like, damn, this song fucking bangs. Like, oh, am I allowed to swear on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> like, it is so cathartic because it's like, no, I am no Superman. I'm just trying my best. Mm -hmm. And it's the same feeling I get when I listen to Closing Time where I'm just like, everyone can sing this song. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say a comparable song, similar time period, similar vibe. Like, I listened to this song for the first time in its entirety just today. And it, yeah, has this cool, like, chill blues traveler, I would say lavender traveler, if you will, type sound. <laughs> yeah, like, you want to hang out with these guys. They, You know what? They're similar to the cooties, I feel like, where you're just like, they're a vibe. I could hang out with them. We could have deep talks, or we could just talk about, like, stupid shit, you know? That's how I feel. Totally. Um, okay, well, joining us, I'm very excited to have him on the program. He's a vascular surgeon at Pacific Vascular Specialists in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Dr. John Noel Dussel. Uh, so, Noel, I'm going to take my power back to you. Wow! <laughs> Zero of two, y'all. Zero of two. You got Dussel right. I mean, it's it's that's tricky enough, I promise you, but uh, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Um, and your wife, Adrian, if I'm not mistaken, is a neonatologist. So Correct, yeah. she specializes in neo from the Matrix? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, more, uh, more the, the Trinity character. Babies that should be inside mom, but aren't. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So um, any anytime a baby has problems when they're uh, being grown, occasionally they'll come out too early. Um, and she's the one who makes sure that they are able to stay out comfortably. Oh, okay. Yeah. In my brain, I saw that as she's pregnant, but the baby's not in her uterus. It's somewhere else in her body. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Locate that's the a, baby. It's like Carmen uh, San Diego. And I was like, 
I am a woman. I know how the body works. That's a fake <laughs> career. That is a fake. You can't be that much of a power couple. You're making this all up. Oh no, she's she's the powerhouse. I I'm the cutter. <laughs> um. So JD, do you mind if I call you that? Please do. Yeah. Anybody from med school still does. That makes a ton of sense. Um. Yeah. Was this show out while you were in med school? Is that why that happened? Oh, it came out while I was in college. Actually, I think it started in like 2005. Um. But I got introduced to it when I was going through med school. And um, it became one of those things that, just like you guys said, the soundtrack is absolutely hypnotizing. I mean, not just that song, but the the soundtrack they use for most of the seasons are just really incredible. So you could watch it, you could listen to it. It was one of those touchstone shows. But um, talking about getting women their power back, it, it's it's a little problematic. Uh, going going back through the first couple episodes, I didn't realize how uh, how troublesome JD's fantasy mind is yeah this show came out 20 years ago <laughs> 2001 which okay. is insane to me we uh just did an episode on monsters inc which also came out 20 years ago so I'm, i've just been oh, having my mind oh, blown oh, here oh, i'm so bummed oh. i know sorry to bum you and the oh, listeners yeah. again who heard last week's episode um, <laughs> but uh but yeah i will agree a lot of stuff from that time period is surprisingly off base, let's say. It does not hold up, you guys. It does not. It's a little objectifying, and uh, you know, it, like it's it's kind of nice to look back and see that there's that we've grown a lot. But man, this was like the benchmark for which we gauged medical shows. I gotta start rewatching Grey's or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've never seen Grey's, but maybe we'll get into it uh, a different episode. <laughs> Uh, if we keep doing TV shows, which is also kind of new. But so, yeah, we corresponded a little bit by email, JD. And if I'm not mistaken, you went through many years of schooling and a surgical residency. And you're this super smart, responsible doctor guy. And yet, weirdly, you are a big fan of my podcasting. Oh, oh, that is that is so I am I am good at one thing. <laughs> my taste everywhere else was completely suspect. Okay, <laughs> Then that makes sense. That checks out then. JD, I want to know, why are you being so humble? Medical school is like the hardest thing in the whole dang world. I mean, come on, we're just over here like making fart jokes and you are saving lives. I don't understand why you're, we need to take your power back for a second time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I got to be honest with you. It's um, it's it's more about uh, connecting with people than it is about anything else. And I, I think that really anybody can do it just about, you know, putting in the time. Wow. Okay, get your tissues, everyone. This is the this one's a tearjerker. This episode, <laughs> <laughs> you got to cry at least a few times during the ep. Um, and speaking of, we, we were talking about the music in the show. I think in this episode specifically, Turk is listening to some hip hop in the oh, operating yeah. room, <laughs> and you mentioned that in your email. You, you could, could you elaborate on that? I mean, it very much depends on the operating room, but uh, yeah, that is entirely accurate. It's probably one of the only accurate parts to the the whole surgery sequence <laughs> is the hip hop is it well i mean it it really depends on the room i mean you have to have a a very specific room but coming from the east coast it was uh it was a lot of it was a lot of hip hop in ROR so when when it's appropriate and applicable we uh we play our, our station. Wow. Heal with Steel on Spotify. <laughs> wow, i would be so offended if i knew someone was like partying while i was could be dying. Like I need you to oh, be yeah. calming my aura down, listening to Enya mm-hmm. or some shit. Like <laughs> I don't want you having fun, and then you dance a little too hard, and the knife. They, they teach us very early to be careful with the knives, um, <laughs> and it, it absolutely depends on the patient. One of my one of my favorite patients 
um, he, uh, unless we are playing hip hop barbecue on Pandora, um, he, he doesn't come into the operating room. So it, it is very person specific. And again, it's a, it's room specific. I'm not operating alone. How do you gauge what you're going to play like by the personality of the person or by what kind of surgery they're getting? Uh, all of it. Yeah, no, it, wow. it's, um, it really depends on a lot of different things. It's like a BuzzFeed quiz, but for Oh, surgical. yeah, which would be your surgical playlist. Sure. <laughs> Although the anesthesiologists do a really, really good job of making sure that you don't remember any part of it. But yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Wow. <laughs> I, first of all, I'm with you a thousand percent, Dahlia. I feel like it should be part of like the form you fill out where you're like, are you okay with surgeons playing this type of music while your life is in their hands? <laughs> <laughs> It's dangerous. Like, if that answer is Marilyn Manson, like, I don't know if I'm signing that form. That's the last thing you hear subconsciously is the Marilyn Manson song before you slip into the ether. Like, absolutely not. No. I spent this lifetime trying to be a good person. <laughs> yeah, like, that music is cool, but I don't want to, like, yeah, listen to it as I'm enlightened and elevated and passing on. Like, I don't want to hear the dope show, you know? Well, it depends. Do you, do you want the people who are working on you to be comfortable and happy, or do you want them to be anxious and uncomfortable think about it from the other side damn yeah i don't know right. i feel like we got to find a middle ground here everyone likes cindy lopper we'll play some cindy lopper yeah lopper? Nice. lopper i think it's lopper lopper cindy lop side <laughs> i don't really know That's been I, a mean, long <laughs> I think cindy lopside is a very like <laughs> middle ground like i everyone can agree that she's good so just play that and you know time after time i mean you mentioned anesthesia jd um i don't know how you both feel about this i would always prefer to be knocked out during any kind of surgical procedure if i had my way i'd get put down for haircuts dmv visits whatever <laughs> but last time i was knocked out i actually had a bad reaction to the yeah. anesthesia so can you tell me about that can you tell me the risks involved sure yeah well so you got to think about it, it in the way that your your autonomic nervous system, everything that goes on without you thinking about it, um, is getting replaced by a person uh, and a machine. So they're responsible for your breathing, for your heart rate, for your blood pressure, for everything that goes in and out of you and making sure that you're comfortable. Um, and so the less anesthesia that you can get, the better off you're going to be. You want to maintain your faculties as much as possible. Um, so hmm. surgeries themselves can run the grand spectrum. I mean, if you're doing veins in the office, you, you really don't need to do a whole lot of anesthesia. Um, taking away that anxiety, I, I'm totally with you on, um, but that doesn't really require a ton of medication. Now, if we're doing a big surgery where it's going to be more deleterious to your mental health to remember what's going on, then you really want to be knocked out. But, you know, I, I generally leave that to the anesthesiologist on the other side of the curtain. You know, I've never had it done. I am terrified of it, especially because I know I'm just so sensitive in general, mm -hmm. physically and emotionally for anybody listening out there who needs a friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I found out this summer, and I'm not going to divulge too much. I had a, a weird infection and they did not put me under for some stuff. And I realized I have a very high pain tolerance because mm -hmm. I came in and they said, oh my God, you've been like this for how long? We have people come in the, an hour into feeling this way and having this thing and they're screaming. And I was like, okay, cool. So uh, mm. they're like, you could have had this rupture. So I think maybe don't put me under or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, anesthesia affects people in all kinds of different ways as a, as a redhead. 
my genes don't work the same way everyone else's do. So when I'm going into dental work, they have to give me the, the high test stuff as opposed to the, the normal things Whoa. that they give everybody else. And so it's really about a discussion between you and the anesthesiologist, not only how much anesthesia you need, but how comfortable you are with what they're going to do. So maybe, maybe you wouldn't need uh, much anesthesia diet. Wow, that's so insane. I knew I was dead inside, but I didn't know I was dead inside. <laughs> Also, <laughs> I am, and tell me, I know you said it depends on the person, but what about the after effects? Because I've heard so many things about just like sure. really big depressive spells and stuff like that. Like I had, um, you know, laughing gas during like oral surgery, which is a type of, is that a type of anesthesia basically? Uh, or? I, I think it's nitro, uh, nitrous oxide. Yeah. Technically laughing gas. Okay. Um, and they use that still, um, not as right. as frequently, but. Yeah. Yeah. But it like, man, it affects your whole mental health and stuff too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, mental health is such a, it's such a balance of neurotransmitters um, in your brain. And so if you mess with them, uh, it can, it can affect you long-term. Sure. Um, it, it really impacts you the older you get um, as, as you're getting into your seventies and eighties. Um, anesthesia is, is not quite as light of a, a concern. It's something that we have to be more cognizant of given the post-operative um, delirium and dementia that's associated with it. And so it's, wow. yeah. you're using all these words you assume we understand. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so really honored. No, actually, I do understand them. My dad is a doctor yeah. and I took anatomy class from a very hey, good teacher. Cool. At the same Ooh. time, I'm just really um, honored that you think we're this intelligent to be on your level of uh, medical uh, jargon. <laughs> I mean, you're you're talking about cysts that couldn't couldn't rupture and hold them back where you need to. I'm I'm impressed. It wasn't a cyst, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, if you want to feel better about a tip from me, I just pretend like my internet's not working and log off <laughs> of the talk, and then I just look up everything you said, and I come back and I go, oh, the internet's up again. <laughs> um, so my problem, since you admitted some stuff, Dahlia, my I got hiccups for like four days mm -hmm. after. That's absolute nightmare yeah yeah it was so weird for me because i never I, I get them very rarely and when i do they they come and go quick and yeah i don't know it was just it was bad i couldn't sleep because i would just be hiccuping for a little while i got over it obviously but um but why the hello did that happen to me <laughs> uh i heard that it was because they put this like metal rod down my throat why would you do that to me jd I thought we were cool. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what you did to your anesthesiologist. Did you owe him money or um, I did you? Yeah, if you're asking, was involved in like <laughs> backdoor casino that I ran with my anesthesiologist. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, so it, it entirely depends on which tube you're talking about. Um, there are the fact that there's several tubes already upsets me. <laughs> Um, the one that helps you breathe, that's your trachea, that's in front. The one that helps you swallow, that's your esophagus, that's in the back. And if, if you're looking okay, I'm already your stomach, out. okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It, it's totally possible. The, when they put you completely asleep, your diaphragm, the thing that helps you to breathe, thing, do all the things, it is the last thing to go to sleep and the first thing to wake up. And so sometimes it gets really irritated at not being able to do its job. And uh, it, it can cause hiccups in that, in that regard. Um, without prying further into your into your medical health, I think probably it had a combination to do with what was happening and the medications that you got. Interesting. Yeah, Ethan, did you know hiccups are just a spasm in your diaphragm? You should know that as a singer. <laughs> I didn't know in this particular case because of the anesthesia, and they told me right after about this metal rod thing. So that's all that I could. <laughs> that's all that I could focus yeah. on. Um, this is. I I don't know that you actually had surgery, man. <laughs> 
Who did this Holy to you? Holy crap. <laughs> oh, no. I have never heard of a metal rod being shoved down someone's throat, whether they were consenting or not. My God. And what other holes were they shoved in? <laughs> I Honestly, I can't remember. I thought that was part of the point of the anesthesia. And when you came back, how did you feel? <laughs> I was totally fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to go back to that truck in the desert, though, and have a word with these guys. <laughs> Even have him call me, okay? That way we can find out what I need to, you know, give you as far as medicine goes. Okay, I will. I'm going to give out your personal number, actually, at the end of this podcast for everybody. So much penicillin, man. So much penicillin. (laughs) Well, speaking of uh, penicillin, uh, it sounds really similar to this. This is a segue, I promise. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back... We'll find out if JD should be concerned about his penis whistling. Uh, The scrubs, JD, not his (laughs) real-life vascular surgeon, Dr. JD. Thank you. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. So... We're back, and Dahlia, you've recorded some wonderful folk music. Have you ever been in a fancy recording studio to track a whistling penis? (laughs) Ethan, I have uh, tried to get my penis to whistle for years now, and... (laughs) No luck? Uh, We're getting there. I am a a voice coach, so if I can do it, if anyone can do it, it's going to be me. I love that attitude. Um, Yeah, so JD, what's the deal in this episode? He's asking about that. I mean, I I assume as a joke, but I I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you. Yeah, it it's definitely a joke in the episode, but um, it it's actually called Numaturia. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. So um, oh my god, mostly Jamie, in this, I'm so sorry. After this, I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions about some weird dicks I've seen because now I didn't realize <laughs> there was just some stuff going around and. <laughs> I should, I I should remind out. you guys, I'm a vascular surgeon, not a oh, urologist. I just... Okay, never mind. Just it, that's, that's in my free time. This is right, 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 right. work. It's I a hobby. Work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in men, um, the, their bowel sits right behind their bladder. It, it, women have a, a uterus in the middle of those, or at least anatomic men. So when you have that juxtaposition of the, the bowel to the bladder and you get inflammation, of either side, but most of the time it's of the bowel, um, it can erode through. Um, and this is, we're talking like 60, 70, 80 year old men, not JD age men. Um, but it, it can present with, um, present with air coming, coming through the the spout. Mm. Um, and so they'll be going to the bathroom and, uh, all of a sudden, um, it starts whistling. Does it sound nice or no, no, this is, no, it's, <laughs> it's a sad whistle. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those slide whistles, you know? The, yeah. like, can you put in music in post? <laughs> it actually goes down like that, the tone? Uh, it's, 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 there, there's generally no tone. It's more like, God, it's more like farting, to be honest with you. But um, yeah. Trust me, there, there's a tone and we're going to find it. Okay? <laughs> I'm putting that on a track. I mean, it's over. That's what I was thinking. I want to be creative with the kinds of instruments I'm using this year and uh, mm-hmm. just exploring my options. Well, I, if I see any, I'll, I'll send them your way, guys. Okay. Thank you. That's, Thank you. One, that's the kindest thing anyone's ever said to me. Dibs, I, Ethan, dibs. There are going to be so many questions. <laughs> um, okay. He is getting the surgery for appendicitis, JD, mm-hmm. in this episode. So obviously, I have to ask about the appendix. Do we even need our appendix anymore? And how evasive is this surgery? So uh, divorced from the show, the, 
The surgery itself is um, very well tolerated now. In the show, they do an open appendectomy and um, Turk does it on the wrong side of the body. Um, so it, it would be highly irregular to do it like that today. Um, wow. It would be highly irregular to do it like that ever, um, really. Um, today, the standard of care is a laparoscopic appendectomy where we use three to four ports um, about the size of uh, half a centimeter. And then we use a camera and instruments to get it out. The whole problem as it presents in the show is actually kind of irregular. For a guy to present like this and then have to go through days of um, non-operative management would be rather silly. Yeah, totally. I was thinking that. I feel like I've yeah. had friends that have had like the same situation. I'm like, they got, they went into emergency surgery. Yeah. How he's, he just chilling. Well, so it is emergent or it's urgent, not quite emergent. Um, you don't have to do it um, when it's dark out, essentially. Antibiotics that we have now can cover you for um, an extended period of time as long as it's a specific type of appendicitis. And so for them to uh, keep him around and then rush him to the OR, it would never happen like this. But the, the idea of not needing your appendix is, is kind of a strange question, mainly because the appendix has evolved in like 29 different types of mammals. And we, we use it. Um, we just don't need it to live. Mm. It helps us, but it's not, it's not necessary for survival. Um, it, it's a basically a big collection of lymph tissue, so it helps us fight infections. And then, um, you know, way back when, like the, the dysentery ages and well before that, if you had diarrhea, that could really end your life. It was, it was a really bad thing. So this appendix, it proposed that it's a pocket of good bacteria to help repopulate your intestines when, um, when you have the ruhu. Wow. Did you, what, what was that last term? Ruhu, uh, diarrhea. I just didn't know it was called Ruhu. Uh, it, it's, that's why we go to medical school, guys. It's all, all the doctors know that term. You know, JD, <laughs> I, have some, I have some pretty bad doctors I've been to. You seem like a good one. I just wanted to say that. I mean, to play devil's advocate here, just to bring balance to the podcast, doesn't seem like a great doctor to me, Dahlia. He's over here talking about Ruhu. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a lot of stuff here, honestly. One of them I was wondering about, Elliot is struggling to find the right level of patient care in this episode, and I wasn't even sure where I landed with this one. Like, should doctors be warm and cuddly or cold and choppy? Ooh, I have so much to say about this, especially as her being a woman in this situation. Yeah, go ahead. Hit it. Listen, it's that feminist, anti-feminist argument of like, she's supposed to be gentle. And all of her patients are men that she touches. Maybe not one of them, but like all the guys in that room are men that she's touching. And they're like, ew, this woman is like hurting me or whatever. Obviously, there's like limitations now with sexual assault cases and such with doctors and patients that like, yeah, you shouldn't really caress your patients. Mm -hmm. But like there's an emotional component that goes along with making people heal in a medical sense, you know, under high stress. But like the fact that they just frame her as like she's coming in with her hands or little machetes or something like I I just oh, it is so upsetting. And that she's like she feels bad that that's how she's touching. Like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not about it. I I mean, uh, JD, what do you think? I am not following that. Dahlia hit it perfectly on the head. Um, yeah. I've known a lot of really cold doctors and I've known a lot of really warm doctors and their gender has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, we are taught in med school about the balance of trying to find equal footing with our patients. That's, 
that's definitely something that every doctor can continue to work on through their practice. But but gender does not come into that at all, in at least in my mind. But I I also come from a pretty privileged position, so it's um it's definitely something that people need to be sensitive about. Yeah, it was weird for a few reasons for me, but that's certainly one of them. But I started thinking about my ideal doctor patient experience. Mm -hmm. And the word that kept coming to me was just like clarity or, or transparency or honesty, or, you know, I, I, I don't want them, I don't need them to be, you know, uh, sensitive with me or like sugarcoat anything or make me feel comforted necessarily. I just want the, uh, like, here's what's going on. And here's why you're hiccuping so much. I think there's an honesty component to that. I think if you're trying to be something you're not, it's going to be very challenging. And so I think people, physicians specifically, will, will come at situations as they come at any situation. And you can be trained to do it in a specific way. But a lot of it has to do with who you are as a person coming into the situation and what your patient needs. I mean, it, if you want that and you ask for it, they're going to give it to you, or at least the, the doctors I know. I don't know too many bad doctors. Do you think the chief of medicine got special treatment? <laughs> like, do you think that was accurate or, you know, did that rub you the wrong way? Yeah, it rubbed me the wrong way in so many different ways. I mean, there, there are like HIPAA violations there. It's the interplay between, you know, the, the current chief, the old chief and the, like, the top doc. Um, I mean, mainly the thing that concerned me the most is like, everyone is in that room and they're all looking at this guy and he's totally fine. And then five seconds later, his heart explodes. And it's like, this, this, is, this is so unrealistic. And then the next day they're like, they're like shooting cards. Like it, it's not that, that is insane. I've done pericardiosynthesis and the patients, that's a bridge to surgery. That, that's how you get them down to the OR. What do they need? The, that's the guy who needs the emergency surgery. But I guarantee you that the medical doctor is going to call the cardiothoracic surgeon to come do that. Some cardiologists can do it as well, but you're taking a needle, essentially an 18 gauge needle or bigger, and you're stabbing it through the diaphragm up into the heart. I mean, mm. this isn't like, this isn't, you know, Pulp Fiction or, or, or the rock you, you miss and it's a big problem. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, do you think that's common though, that someone, you know, because they work there for so long would get special treatment or? Oh would... yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> that, that's for sure. I mean, like your, your friend, if, if your friend is in the hospital, you're going to want to spend quality time with them. But that being said, there is a danger to being um, like a premier patient. You get more tests, people find more stuff out, people do more things to you because you have this position. You need to thread a line. It, it can't be the way that, that Cox said it with like, he gets to say when he goes, that's, that's never the case. You don't want to doctor yourself as a patient because then you've got to the dummy for both the patient and the doctor. You want somewhere in the middle. You want someone who can be relatively objective to be doing your medical care. Yeah. And you brought up that your friends are in the hospital and you work at the hospital. That happened in this episode for sure. They were examining him and doing the actual surgery on him. Is that commonplace? Especially, I think they said that they're in their, their residency still, right? So, yeah. how, you know, what's up with that? I mean, it, again, it depends on the person. Um, but it, generally, when you're in the hospital, and you have a, a footprint in that hospital, it limits the amount of people that are actually involved in your care. Um, HIPAA regulations are very clear. And it is no one's business about what goes on in your medical care while you're in the hospital besides you and the people who are treating you. So for for like a colleague to be doing the exam would be insane. And, <laughs> and for an intern to be doing an operation would just be like, 
completely uncalled for. Right. Okay. It's not like these uh, hair salons where they just let somebody that's you know, <laughs> in school or training there do real haircuts for cheaper. It, <laughs> no, you know no. What I'm about. I, I mean, that, that brings up a really good point. Like Turk, Turk is an intern in this episode, meaning he's got four years of medical school and like 12 days of being a surgeon. <laughs> so even if like JD's appendix ruptured and they needed to rush him to the OR and every, the people who are going to be doing that surgery are either one and attending who's been practicing outside of training and is board certified, or the chief resident who's got five years of surgery, probably a couple hundred appendectomies under his belt at this point. The intern may be there to watch or to assist, but really they're not going to have anywhere near the amount of um, autonomy as someone who's, who's proven that they're able to do this surgery. Overall, I'm just having this umbrella thought that like, I used to watch this show when I was younger and I loved it. And last night when I was watching it, I was just cringing the whole time. And to hear now that the whole thing is factually inaccurate. Sorry about like, that. Um, it's Friday. Oh That's kind of cool. God, I'm so bummed out. Honestly, me too. No, it was like I had the exact same feeling. I mean, this was like one of those benchmarks when people ask like, oh, which shows are really good when it comes to portraying life as a, as a medical person? It's like, oh, yeah, scrubs. Sure, scrubs. Not even close. <laughs> but, like, it was a seminal show for our development. Well, I'm not even in med school. I thought, I guess I was entertained by it at some point. And it was just like, oh my gosh, if you brought this into a writer's room today, absolutely no way. Like, <laughs> I'm, I was floored. I don't know, Ethan, how you feel about this as a comedy writer, but like. Yeah, I mean, well, for sure. But am I like, going to get fired? No, <laughs> no. Get canceled? No, dude, not at all. <laughs> This is like we said at the top, you know, 20 years ago, 20 years is a long time. And yeah. there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, not not just Scrubs. There's a bunch of shows that are beloved that you watch now. And it's like, what? This is like watching 60s stuff, propaganda. Yeah. Um, it's really strange. But in general, I think the show is great and has a great like fun vibe to it. And I mean, I have a lot of fond memories of, of watching it as well. And probably, at least I hope encouraged people to get into the medical field which i think is awesome because you know what you people do it's like weirdly i'm saying you people which sounds like wrong and offensive but i'm <laughs> like complimenting all of you people so that's weird um, but all doctors are you know they go through so much i mean just listening to you describe my diaphragm having some sort of issue that like it needs help to pump or whatever it's already freaking me out i can't imagine what it's like day in day out to be cutting people open, you know, working on their organs, um, studying textbook, you know, memorizing how it all works. Like it's putting them back together that we, that we go to all the school for. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't, it's not <laughs> cutting them actually open. Isn't that hard? That's pretty easy. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Sharp knife. It's pretty much done. <laughs> um, so Dolly, I don't know how you feel for me with health insurance, the healthcare system in general, I have a lot of issues as I'm sure a lot of people do. I mean, what's the one thing like, JD, if you're president of the United States of America, what's the one thing you do to help fix the healthcare system? Oh man, I would quit immediately. Very nice. <laughs> there, there, are, there are very, very smart people who have been turning this over in their minds. That the problem is such a grand one and has so many vested parts. If I'm being honest, like the reason I got into medicine was never money. And so if I could have a magic wand and, and somehow get medicine, medical school, medical debt, school debt, all of that stuff wiped away, I mean, that's where you would get the most equitable care. 
Um, but I've seen every sense of the spectrum and we have, um, we've got a lot of work to do. Ethan, I have an alternate solution to this. Hit it. Love it. And it's going to be very controversial. Oh, great. Um, it's absolutely ageist. And I think, you know, <laughs> most people don't have issues before. They don't have major issues with the exception of a small margin for the age of 35. So we just say life cap 35. That's all you get. Um, wow. And when you turn 35, you will just we'll put everyone down. Put them down. Good to go. So not even isolate them to a different area or give them a continent or something. You're saying put them down like a sick pet. If we could all accept an equal amount of lifespan, I, I, you know, uh, maybe don't air this part. <laughs> what the part where you said everyone should die at thirty-five? What's wrong with that? I mean, considering I got out of training at thirty-three, <laughs> that was that wouldn't leave me a whole lot of time to fix people. They die. Well, I'm also <laughs> thinking about like. You know, in the olden days, the the lifespan was so much shorter for a reason. Nobody complained, and there wasn't healthcare, so it's problem solved. Yeah, that... people complained all the time. No, 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 no. They oh were happy. God, yeah. They were happy. There was no war. Uh... Yeah, all my textbooks are filled with pictures of people just picking flowers and making uh, yummy treats, just pastries. Everyone's thrilled in the past. Oh man! Then we started living. And it was like, well, that's the problem. Don't blame it on our healthcare system. So our longevity actually didn't uh, it isn't the big burner there. The what my wife does is the uh, the problem with that statistic. It's not that we live longer; it's that more of us are making it out of infancy. Um, it's that okay, so Mister Doctor, come in here with the the facts. We get it. <laughs> we went to medical school. Okay, okay, John. No, I'm with her. Just just throw everybody into the sun. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry. I really do want to hear the rest of that thought. That sounded very interesting. Can you continue, please? <laughs> um, like uh, infant mortality. That that is where we've made the the great strides in the last couple of years. So like it wasn't it wasn't the last half of life that was killing people too quickly. It was the fact that more people were not making it out of their childhood. So things like vaccines, things like. Uh, advances in ster sterile techniques, more understanding of uh, the the way that the, our society operates. So, like seatbelts, seatbelts are what causes this. So, you know, we can go to New Hampshire and live free or die, um, and cut out the seatbelts, not wear helmets. That'll bring you back to that like life expectancy that you're thinking about. But like the reality is not that people were living shorter lives before. It's that we were not getting as many people that far. Are you saying all I got to do is walk around with a seatbelt and a helmet and I'm going to live forever? You should wear a helmet every day, Naya. Hi, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> it would look cool. Yeah. Uh, I nanny a six-year-old and she will she wears a helmet on her scooter and sometimes she uh, she will keep the helmet on when we're just like playing yep. and she'll have a fall and I'll be like, thank God that helmet was on. Yep. Man. That's that's the thing that's causing you to need mass genocide of the elderly. Yeah. Helmets, uh, just give everyone some helmets. <laughs> and we're categorizing 35 and up elderly now? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> cool. So speaking of vaccines. I'm so sorry. Never have me on any podcast oh my ever God. again. Are you kidding me? You're sinking threes right now, Dahlia. I can't wait. <laughs> These are a bunch of step back threes, Dahlia. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Doc, COVID predictions? I mean, when will schmucks like me be able to 
back into a small room and laugh wildly again. What do you think? Um, realistically, I think we've got at least another six months to 12 months. Um, Ooh. Yeah, no, I'm with you. This is, this is, uh, this is getting to be crazy. I, I'm actually talking to you from my, my children's school right now, meaning our basement. Um, I, I am so ready for society to start opening up again, but you have to reach a threshold. There has to be a certain number of people to give, to have gotten the vaccines to make sure that the rest of the community doesn't continue to spread it. Um, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm from the East Coast. I'm living on the West Coast. My sister's getting married and has pushed back her, her wedding twice already because she wants to have people there. And yeah. um, it, it breaks my heart, but I also want to be there. I'm not going to flout the restrictions, though. And um, you know, it's either we buckle down really hard and finish the, finish the work that we've already done. I mean, the vaccine coming out is, is absolutely mind-blowing. So getting that to the appropriate amount of people, um, we're still, I think we're still in tier one here. So healthcare workers, teachers are getting it now too. But, uh, you know, it, hopefully people uh, will start getting it at a quicker pace because now we have a Johnson Johnson vaccine that's coming out. Um, I got two of the Dolly Parton ones and they were delightful. <laughs> Great. Uh, but my, my mom works for Pfizer, so I probably shouldn't say that one. <laughs> We'll edit that out. Thank you. Yeah. No, she's going to love hearing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble. It's okay. She can't She can't get me. She's in New York. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> I have, in relation to the whole world opening up again thing, I will say I don't want to go back to no masks because, and this is not a joke, uh, shockingly, I ha I've been a nanny for years and I've been so sick for years and years and years mm. of children. Yeah. And this year, knock on wood, I haven't gotten sick at all. And I low-key think, high-key know that that is actually because I've had a freaking mask on my face and yeah. I should have been doing this for years and years and years. I cannot believe it. Like, Yep. Yep. Man. I totally agree with you. And I've seen some crazy numbers too about the flu, kids with the flu. Way less kids are dying of the flu, apparently. I don't know if you know about this, JD. I can confirm. That's I, I've had the same experience. Yeah. So I'm with you. And I think in the future for certain events you know, or, or travel, et cetera, I'm definitely gonna be wearing a mask. Whereas before this, I it wouldn't have even thought, you know, occurred to me. Also, now you don't have to say hi to people if you see them on the street. <laughs> and I have an ex who lives down the street. I'm sure I've seen like four times at the grocery store and he, he, does, he doesn't know it's me. No, you know, most your face is completely covered up. He could be anybody. Yeah. It could be anybody. Um, okay, great. And then, of course, one last uh, question here. Will robots soon be doing all of our surgeries? Yes. Great having you on the program. Um, <laughs> um, so we, we're using robots to help us do surgery. Um, you can get your appendix out with the robot. With the, the one that I used in training was called the Da Vinci. And it's, um, it's a very cool tool and uh, very useful. Is it like um, the self-checkout at a grocery store where you'll be able to just go up to the robot and get your appendix taken out real quick? <laughs> Go to the go to the guy that Ethan was going to for his throat thing. He'll, he'll take care of you. I don't know. I don't know if I trust him anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't, man. It sounds real weird. No, there there is a it smelled weird there too. There is a history of like uh, the appendix being taken out in weird, weird ways. Um, like when we we got into submarines and spaceships, like we need to decide whether or not it's um, worth it to do surgery on the appendix before sending people on missions to Mars or underneath the solar ice caps 
So they, they're doing this trial right now. It's, it's actually really cool, the, the CODA trial, where um, it compares antibiotics to surgery. Like, we've been doing appendectomies since, like, the 1880s, um, just because some pathologist was like, uh, your appendix burst, that's what killed you, so people need to take these out now. And so we got really, really good at it, and our complication rates are really low, but the question is, do we actually need to take it out surgically? Can we just give people antibiotics? And that's what this this study is trying to tell us. So from, for the last like seven years, they've been recruiting patients to, uh, to undergo just medical management, just antibiotics versus getting their appendix out. And the, the, the information is really, really fascinating. Unless it's a specific type of a appendicitis, you can get away with just getting antibiotics. I, I wouldn't, um, but it's, it's definitely How something. How do we not know definitively, JD? You're telling me seven years? We don't have just the answer already? What, how, how much longer are we going to take here? Yeah, we, we have a lot of different studies that have taken this on. Um, the biggest one to date is, is currently in the seventh year. But really interesting with right now is that the trial is recruiting and the American College of Surgeons is sending out messages saying when COVID broke and we were postponing every operation so that we could save like every mask, every source of PPE, people were getting just antibiotics instead of surgery. And so it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see what, what happens when we get the results of this. I think, I don't think append, appendectomies are going away, but I think in a subset of the population, it may be possible to just get away with antibiotics, specifically if you're like going to space or going on a submarine under the polar ice cap. Because the last, the last guy who had to deal with this was a surgeon in the 60s. But what do you mean deal with this? What ha- your, your appendix bursts oh. if it's under certain <laughs> pressure? Is that what's going on? No, 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 no. It's, it's not about pressure. It's about, um, well, yeah, no, it's, it's not. It, if you get appendicitis um, and you're in one of these austere environments where you can't get medical help quickly, the question is, what do you do? Um, and oh. so like you can, it, for instance, this guy who um, was the medical physician for a trip under the polar ice cap, this guy, Leo Ragazov, he um, was the medical person for this polar ice cap expedition where they're going to be gone for three months. And he diagnosed himself with appendicitis and ended up taking it out himself. There's some really bizarre pictures online. Wow. Oh, yeah. Weird stuff. Um but, you know, the question is, did he have to do that or could he have made it back to base with antibiotics? And I mean, that's what they're telling us now. Crazy. OK, what's this guy's name? This hero who did surgery on himself? <laughs> Leo Ragazov. Leo Ragazov. Excellent. Um, OK, I, I have so much more, but I guess it'll have to wait for the next time we speak, which for JD and I might be. Speaking about the fugitive. I mean, Harrison Ford is a vascular surgeon. That's my wheelhouse, man. I mean, great. Harrison Ford being a vascular surgeon. Pardon me? Oh, never mind. It was a bad joke. I want to hear it. Uh, Give it to me. I said Harrison Ford or being a bad, or being a <laughs> I didn't say, l- listen, it's, I got a lot of blood taken out today. And I- yeah. And, and again, Dahlia, I have to remind you, like, thank you. You know, I, I A for effort, but again, just because we were doing scrubs and talking to a vascular surgeon, you didn't have to go and get blood out for the podcast. It was, it's over the line, you know? I'm a method actor and I love, no, actually, I've been having some pretty serious medical issues lately. <laughs> 
So Okay, well, sorry to bring that up here, but um, <laughs> I hope that you heal up. I hope you're okay. I will be absolutely fine. They taste. They tested for all the wrong things. I found out after, so mm. we're gonna go back soon. <laughs> Couple bonehead friends of yours, huh, JD? Uh, I think they're that she's getting that same discount surgery you got, bud. <laughs> yeah, these guys out here. Daya, you come out to Portland. We'll take care of you. Okay. Oh, I will. That'd be so fun. Good excuse to go to Portland, too. Medical tourism. (laughs) Medical tourism. Yeah. Thing of the future. Um, So if you want to find out if Dahlia is okay and she makes it through her (laughs) loss of blood, uh, where should people follow you, Dahlia? Oh, um, all over town. I'm just walking around. Do not follow her all over town. (laughs) I'm going to be the first to say it. Please, please follow me on the Instagram. That's really where I post all my stuff. I know TikTok's the thing now. I have a TikTok, but it's it's the same name. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at Oprah Winfreckle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you Google, if you look up Oprah on Instagram, I'm usually the second one to come up. So Awesome. Uh, Good SEO. With the real Oprah Winfrey, and uh, I'm under Dahlia Mani on all the musical platforms. And Femedy Trio at Femedy Trio, F E M M E D Y, Trio spelled like Trio, is my um, female comedic music trio. And we also have a podcast called Barely Composed, where we write a funny song every episode, which we haven't been able to do during quarantine because of the technological lag. But we got to have the cooties on there. Yeah, are you kidding? We would love to be on there. Barely Composed. Yeah. Everybody subscribe to that. So when it comes back, it crashes into your feed. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute joy. I'm absolutely honored. And JD, I learned so much about how much I didn't know that I thought I knew. <laughs> Yeah, a pleasure to have you on. And I was half hoping you'd forget your own handle so I could say Oprah Winfreckle, but oh. now I had an excuse to say it and I'm I'm glad I did. <laughs> um JD, should people follow you? Do you want them to do that? Should they just consult you if they need vascular surgery? Stay six feet away at all times. Um yeah, I mean, if you use tobacco in the Portland area, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. god. That was great. I thought you were going to Oh my lord. I thought you were going to mention like some sort of affiliation you had with a cigarette company. <laughs> hey, I get my I get my most interesting patients from the cigarette company. Oh my lord. Well, they should buy you a boat. My JP, I have so many like hot skater musician smoker friends in Portland that are hey. absolutely going to Cool. That's my jam. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Send them to my clinic. I will. Nice. Perfect. A bunch of future clients in the making here. We bring people together (laughs) on the podcast. Thank you both for joining me and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. And the executive appendicitis deucer, and hopefully he doesn't have it, is Brett Kushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Pod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver, but it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.